it's grain. Henda. Oh, it's Henda. Henda. Uh-huh. That was, that was, a, that was a, a false accusation <laughs> for no reason. I was accusing him of some uh-huh. crazy stuff. I, I, like, I, are you I dying your fade? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, dye is safer than Henda. Henna, if you keep it too long, it dyes your skin. Oh, safer in that in, those yeah, in that sense. Safer yeah. in that sense. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, what would be the 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 replacement for for henna? Yeah, like we're good. Colored dye. Like you just go get cl- Miss Clairol, <laughs> but like a bright a bright orange. Auburn. <laughs> oh, go to the Halloween stores and pack up orange stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. My name is Moeen. Uh, we are joined today with our usual crew. We have uh, Dr. Shadi, Elias, uh, and Saad joining us today. How are you guys doing? Alhamdulillah, very good. It's great to have us back. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very important topic that I wanted to kick off uh, right in the beginning just so we can get through it since we it, there's a lot to talk about, I think. And I'm going to start off by reading... One of the hikams uh, from uh, the, the the book, uh, Hik- the hikams. It's a compilation of the hikams of uh, Ibn Atta'illah. Uh, so th- this one is from chapter fourteen. It's uh, interesting because it, it the chapter references divine decree and abandoning choice. And we'll discuss it later in in the episode as well. But there's actually a series that Dr. Shadi himself uh, for for a whaleam we went through the hikam. And I think it still exists on SoundCloud, if I'm not mistaken. So you can actually go through the Hickam, the the Hickam classes. It's still the, on that's on uh, myarcview. That's on Mark, Mark, myarcview. Yeah. Okay. okay, you can go through. Which, by the way, the semester is about to start. Turn around, the, uh, around in the corner. We have 15. This is the biggest uh, we've had. Uh, size is not the most important thing, but this is the biggest offering we've had. Yes. 15 classes, including uh, now Islamic history for the first time. Hamza Rida is doing history oh, starting from the uh, uh, Umayyads. Plus fiqh essentials. Hala uh, Amr is she's now like an expert in, in Maliki fiqh almost oh, right sure. in this in this uh, course that she's given the course like four times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's expanded to include Sheikh Rami's series that he translated from Sheikh Muhammad, Muhammad Mawlud. Oh, uh, Prohibitions of the tongue is involved. Rights of parents is involved, and then manners of a Muslim is involved, all in a one-year co- course. It goes fall term, spring term, and summer term. Jomo Ali, I don't know if you guys know him. Jomo Ali, he's actually from around here, but he moved to. Why does that name sound really familiar? Yeah, Jomo Ali. Uh, he's doing the Arabic class for beginners. Um, what you would call it? There's Hanafi fiqh. Harun is doing Maliki fiqh. Ibn Asher. Um, I'm I'm doing Aqidah and sciences of Quran. Um, Sheikh Osama Salhiya and Mufti Niaz doing the Arabic night course for the serious Arabic students, which, mashallah, we've had a lot of people taking that, that class. And then there's Moeen himself mashallah. doing a class. Sira for kids. Mashallah. So that's, gonna, that's also a full year. Fall, spring, and summer, right? All online class, Sira for kids. So, and mashallah. You're forgetting the most important one. Which is which one did I it's forget? Sira in Espanol. Sira in Espanol. Sira in Espanol. Oh, we're having Sira in Espanol and Sira in Czech. Who's teaching the? Are yeah. you teaching? No, Musa Franco. Oh. Musa Franco oh. yeah, doing, yeah, doing it. Sira in Espanol and um, uh, Christian Dambiki is doing Sira in Czech. Do we? I didn't realize we had so many Czech students to have. Bro, Sira in Czech. There's a guy around here. I I don't know if he wants his name in the podcast. 
but uh, he's an old friend. He's a young guy. It turns out I'm chit-chatting with him. Once. I'm telling you, this is why curiosity and being talkative, it, it's beneficial, right? I was just chit-chatting with the guy one time, seeing what he's up to. He says, like, oh, I do uh, marketing. I work on, you know, what is it, Madison Avenue, where all the marketing yeah. companies? He's like, I work for one of those companies. I was like, you serious? Tell me about it. What do you do? He's like, I do the online targeted marketing for Mercedes-Benz. I was like, you're on the Mercedes? Like, that, like uh, the, their client. That's the yeah. client that he's working on their file, right? So he doesn't work for Mercedes, but he works for a marketer, yeah. and Mercedes is the, the client. I was like, that's awesome. First, it's a really hard job. Automotive is one of the most hard jobs you can ever get, right? Uh, so, so he does the marketing for them. I was like, oh, you need to do marketing for me, too. So throw me up. <laughs> <laughs> so he helps with the with the targeted ads, right? I see, I see. You know, and I, I remember I said to him, I sent him, I said like, give me a number, and he's like, oh, whatever, don't don't worry about it. So I, I sent him a number, right, like a monthly stipend. I just sent the number, and he said, okay. I mean, that's a that, you know. I was like, yeah, is that okay per month? He's like, I'm telling you, forget it, because that's usually what I would charge per hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he ends up being able to, to market to the Czech people. We got so much hate the first time we did it, Intro to Islam in Czech. The, the, the whole thing was I would hit the trans, translate, right, because it's all in Czech. Translate, oh, F this class. What do I want to hear that this? I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, because it's hitting the Czech people. And they hate Islam. So many of them hate Islam. But mm -hmm. at the same time, we had like 20, 15, 20 students. MashaAllah. So. That's good. There so. you go. <clears throat> so, uh, so you can actually get the whole Hikam class from previous semesters. Yeah, we have now, uh, alhamdulillah, over 30 pre-recorded classes. Mm. Yeah, COVID really took us through the roof because we had nothing else to do, essentially. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. so. so to kick it off, uh, mm. one of the, the Hikams here that I'm going to read is your desire for isolation even though God has put you in the world to gain a living, is a hidden passion. And your desire to gain a living in the world, even though God has put you in isolation, is a come down from supreme aspiration. That's critical. Right. And I'd like to kick this off as a discussion into Tasawwuf, because what this hikam is, is really talking about is, is our desire to be... And, and, and this is one of the, the issues I've always had, Right. Especially we live, I, I work in technology, we live in a very connected world, right? And, and we have this desire to just be away from everything and mm -hmm. be unconnected and uh, sort of live in seclusion. And, and what Ibn Atta'illah here is, is talking about is, you know, and, and I'll let Dr. Shadi explain it in detail, but the idea of having this desire of isolation is in itself a hidden passion. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I want to kick this, off, this discussion off about the Sawuf and how we can talk about the divine decree and abandoning choice and with regards to understanding you know how our predicament is in you know 2021 at this point uh, first of all uh there's a caveat right off the bat abandoning choice here should really be better off for us uh to to talk about not having displeasure with what allah has chosen a person for a person the idea, and you find it in a lot of the books itself, of abandoning choice is a very heavy concept. And when I talk to Habib Abdul Qadir, uh, Abdul Qadir Saqaf, uh, of course, Habib Abdul Qadir Saqaf passed away, it was, um, subhanAllah, uh, he came here to Allentown a while, like three years ago. 
I don't know how my, his name's just skipping my mind right now. But um, I talked to him about this. He said this is a very high maqam, uh, uh, this idea of having no choice at all. Okay, And it's only something that those who live with shuyukh for long periods of time may uh, arrive at such a station. He said, but what you should worry about is not having displeasure with what Allah has chose for you. That's what's for us. This is for all of us to do. And other than that, you do make choices, but you learn how to do it in the right way. Which is that you make a choice, first of all, that no brainer is within the bounds of the sharia. We know that. But secondly, you do istishara and istikhara. And you understand how this works. Istikhara and istishara is not, um, you know, aslam. Aslam is like uh, casting lots. It's not by lottery. It's not by chance. It's not by random dreams. The way that istikhara and istishara work is that you istishara is to ask somebody who has experience. Okay, if you're if you want to go to medical school, you ask other people in medical school. You don't ask the local imam or someone you think is holy or pious. That doesn't make any sense. That's not what the Sharia is asking. Uh, you can ask them for dua, but you ask the people of that. Then you pray istikhara, and you may do istikhara with your sunan all as as many times as you want, because istikhara is essentially dua. Okay, it's a dua, and Allah loves a dua, so you can do istikhara as many times as you want. Now, what is a sign? that istikhara is answered. The Prophet gives the sign. The sign is in the word itself of the dua. Oh Allah, if this is something that's good for me, make it easy. If it's bad for me, turn me away from it or turn it away from me. So three things, you're looking for three things. You're looking, is this opportunity, if the door closes, that's a sign. If you lose, lose interest, that's a sign. And the third one, all of a sudden doors are opening up and it's becoming easy. That's the third, that's the other sign. So that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for dreams. There's another thing that some people do, which the Madakiya consider a bid'ah, and they consider like a type of darb al-azlam, which is casting lots or like rolling dice, which is to open the Quran at a random page <laughs> and to look at it. Right? And you find sometimes the Sufiya discuss this, and they say this and promote this. Mm. But this is not the way that we've ever been taught, to use the Quran as a random book. Is that appropriate only for naming children, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I <laughs> just pick any random word. Yeah, and and the and the punishment for that is that your kid will be making ma dua against you, and all the all the Arabs will be laughing after they meet him. That's the punishment for doing that. What do you mean your name is Ejma'in? <laughs> your name is all together, bro. What does that mean? Right? And, and that's always been like me with every other person that I met in Birmingham. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, subhanallah. I, have a, I had a friend in Birmingham. His name was Tahajjud. Right? And in, uh, <laughs> but that's actually, no, that's actually, that's actually fine, good, right? Like yeah, yeah we, that was actually fine. But me and him would make, because he loved knowledge. And he wanted to root out all this cultural stuff. And I want right, to know what's right. in the knowledge, right? right Tahajjud's a beautiful name. But me and him would make fun of this thing. He was like, oh, my friend is named this. Does it make sense? I was like, no, it makes no sense, right? <laughs> and then add to that, to, to make matters worse, the British come in and try to, to do something with this Idafa constructions. And now you have like uh, Os uh, Osman Udin, right? <laughs> uh, Osman Udin, right? <laughs> my name is Osman, Osman Udin. No, that doesn't make sense either, man. You Arabized it. That's all you did. But it's Osman Najmuddin. What's your middle name? I said, oh, Najm. Oh, okay. So it's Uthman Najmuddin. That makes sense. Now, the, the British, uh, on top of this weird cultural thing. But this, 
that's how we make decisions. And so we're not going to abandon choice. We're just going to learn how to make the right choices. Right. Right. So that's for that. But what he is pointing to is that some people start to love to sawuf or spirituality in general. And that becomes a craving. And that's what he's saying. So, so what he's saying is the best state to be in is a state that Allah put you in. Now, all of us were, were actually removed from socialization during COVID. The whole world was, right? So that's what the state Allah wanted us to be in. There's a reason. Things happened in people's hearts and minds, and things were, they developed in our minds over the span of that 18 months. I think it was pretty much 18 months, mm-hmm. right? That it was, a, it was a pretty rough close, close up for 18 months, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, give or take. You can say, yeah, okay, maybe it was, was it like March. March was the yeah, shutdown. March, and then this March things started to slow up, yeah. or when? I think when people did started open clear. Up? Most oh, things are for like some stuff opened up, but a lot of stuff is still like a lot of businesses are still remote only. A yeah. lot of companies, yeah. and it's not going back until like this so month or next I, month. I want to say it, it was March to Ramadan. This Ramadan, which was in around April, around May. April, 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 May, because I think so once that, Ramadan that and Eid hit, everybody was just so for the summer, the summer, Muslims, yeah, yeah, yeah. For after Ramadan, that you're right about that. That's when I felt uh, in the month of uh, Shawwal, around the month of Shawwal, that things started to stop being as tense as you know in terms of closed up. So that's what 13, 14 months, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right. That 13, 14 months, things happen to people's minds and hearts, whether good or bad, right? But that's Allah's will that we closed off from society. Now, pretty much a lot of people go back to work. They go to a supermarket. A lot of entertainment stuff is back open again. Restaurants are back open again. So now you're back out there. This is what, what we're saying here is wherever Allah puts you, find the wisdom there. In whatever situation Allah puts you. Allah may put a person in a situation with, with so many friends around them. There's a wisdom. That, it's not going to be the case all the time. As far off as you may imagine, there may be a time when y- you're all alone. It's very possible to happen. There's a wisdom for that, too. So, we, that, so what is, uh, Sayyidina, uh, Mehmet, uh, Ibn Atta is saying here is, don't be displeased with what Allah chose for you. Know that what He chose for you is better. Now, here's a mistake that many people make. They consider inaction to be the way in which like Allah chooses for me. Right? I know many people say, hey, why don't you try to do this? Uh, I'll let, let Allah choose. No, you're totally... Allah, when we say Allah chose, means it's a situation that you have absolutely no control over. That came upon you. And you literally have absolutely no control over it. Correct. For me to say, you know what, I could do this, I could do that, but I'll just let Allah choose. Whatever. Uh, we don't know, maybe it's bad for me. <laughs> this is another trick of shaitan. How do you know you, you didn't even... How, how do you know it's not good for you? Why are you assuming... I think it's a trick that shaitan takes away people's willpower and people are lazy. It's people one or it's one or the other. People are lazy. You're probably lazy. You know, like I uh, asked a brother, oh, well, why don't you try to like fix your situation? It's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not good for me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll make me work. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, he said, because the Quran says a person makes a desire thinking it's good, but it's bad. You make a dua for something that you think. I was like, but you didn't even make the dua. You would know if it's bad for you if Allah sends you signs. Right. He sends you signs that it's bad for you. Uh, th- Allah operates by law. I'm telling the easiest interaction to have because deen is interaction with Allah. The easiest one to interact with ever is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Number one, he operates by law. You could study. Everything is by law. And when he gives you a sign, it is so crystal clear. There, there's no games. And there's no chance. This is why Islam, or going by chance, is not acceptable. No. Sheikh, I'm just thinking... Uh Thinking about the te- thinking about the text of this uh, of this hikam, mm-hmm. um, is it possible to understand it also in terms of what seems like the opposite of the of the actual text, which is don't become attached to any state, 100%. such that you don't want it to change? Because the way it's worded is, if you're in the state, don't desire a different state. Mm-hmm. Right. But it could also be that a person becomes attached to the state that they're in, such mm-hmm. that they don't want it to change. Now that's true too. Right. Subhanallah. Yeah, Subhanallah. Yeah, the state that we're in is what's best. Even if someone was to tell you, there is in the future for you an amazing thing, right? Now, naturally, you're going to want it. But you can want it. And this is a beautiful separation that the scholars make. You may desire it all you want, as long as it does not make you unhappy with the state Allah gave you. So they separate between happiness and satisfaction. Right. Right. So you are ha- you, you want more. You are you're, you're wanting more of the fadl of Allah. If you view it as the fadl of Allah, you may want it as much as you want. If you are not viewing it as fadl Allah and it's dunya. Right. It could be the same exact thing. Right. But if I'm viewing this as the bounty that Allah gave me. And now what's the difference? When Allah gives you bounty, that means it's good for you. Your deen and your dunya and you're going to become thankful for it. And you're going to increase in your in your love of Allah and your iman. So that's a good thing. Okay, that does not desiring that does not mean at all that I'm unhappy with the state Allah put me in. So we, look at the positivity of the deen, right? You may desire and be thankful and happy at the same time. Whereas, if we were to just use most of our commonsensical brains, we always think it's one or the other. And the and here the deen comes and says, no, it can be both. Al-talab, seeking fadlullah. Allah tells it, min fadli, seek from his bounty. Allah says in the Quran, Allah also says, be content. Allah is not going to bring you two things to do that are going to cancel each other out. Right. So this is how we can be people of, an, uh, 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 of great desire for certain things and in life while also be content. Whereas if you notice, the great people who, who uh, achieved in the secular world they're miserable with a certain state until they get to the next state, right? And they feel that if I'm content and happy, that means that's going to kill my momentum. It's going to kill my mojo. I need to be, become miserable. They divorce their wife, right? And they never see their kids. They're never content with this. So what they're actually moving to is what their pleasure is, is novelty. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the roots of greed, right? Where it's like if... You know, somebody constantly desiring what they don't have mm-hmm. because they don't have it. Instead of saying, "That's all it is." Instead of saying, "Look, I have all this, but you know, I'm going to seek the additional bounties mm-hmm. from Allah," That's as exactly opposed it. to, you know, I, I just don't have enough right now. 100%. So this is a perfect opportunity to say something which I think is 100% factual, which is when we talk about these, when we t- when we're talking about these subjects, one thing that most people in, especially people in the West, people that live in the country we live in, people that live in European countries, and even a lot of people that are listening to this in other countries, and I'm sure that there's exceptions that apply. But for, mo- for the most part, this is a case of people having shukr and not sabr, mm-hmm. because subhanAllah, what are we missing? Yeah. What don't we... Ha- 
Derek, I'm sure you want more, mm-hmm. but I know I want more. But yeah. really, what am I missing? Subhanallah. What don't I have? Yeah. That, that not even that I need. What don't I have that I even want? Mm-hmm. Like I, we're living in in a, in a time of absolute abundance, and you know, every time every time I think every time I really am like, wow, I would really like it. I you know the hadith of nothing fills the the stomach mm-hmm. of the son of it, like you know. There's, there's no limit to what we want. We want yeah. more, and we want more. Yeah, and that's where uh, you're only ever justified in that if you view it as merely a mechanism of increasing my love for Allah. Right, true. Right. Because of that hadith of the Prophet, I said, love my family for my sake, love me for Allah's sake, love Allah for the bounty that he's given you. And we are in such an abundance that, number one, we're in such an abundance that we have fads that are just completely uh, uh, an offense to the nama that we have. Like, so, oh, I don't do this. Oh, I don't eat that, right? I'll, now, it's one thing to people be healthy, but these things, you know, they're, you know that some people in the world, they don't eat at all. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And you're on some diet and you have the luxury to be picking and choosing all this stuff. Yeah. Right. What happened? Uh, the second point, which is that's the this is the bigger point. We've already talked about the the other point before, but the other point is that how would we have so much abundance? This is a proof against materialism. Yet at the same time, we have an epidemic of anxiety and mental illness. This is a proof that happiness is not solely materially based. Absolutely, it's spiritual, right? Because one thing that we can say, as abundant as we have in material comforts. We are messed up emotionally in the family sense. The families are broken up and there's no faith. There's no belief. There's no sense of purpose or greater. Like, what are you? You're floating around. The Wall Street Journal just had an article about lost men. Did you see this? No. I got to send it to you. Well, there's no point. Can't read it anyway because of the paywall. Paywall. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the title is good enough. I wish I had uh, a subscription to it. (laughs) 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 Then I would be complete. Yeah. (laughs) So these guys, they're saying they're lost. Of course you lost the philosophy and what they're teaching you everywhere, everywhere you turn, is that you're nothing but a bunch of carbon that came together. Oh, I know that article. Yeah. 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 You don't realize how important this teaching is of belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, and that's where it's a perfect point place to say, you know, this is where we tend to learn a lot about fiqh and aqidah and a few other and in these other sciences right but when it comes to the science of tasawwuf right it is not just a th- theoretical science right that, that you like not that aqidah is pure theory but it, it mostly theory right you understand all this stuff and you apply it and, and uh, you, you conceptualize it once you know it that's how you solidify your iman mm-hmm. um, uh, tasawwuf is it requires a lot more effort uh, and it really is is really the last of all of the sciences if you think about it, right? Because it's once you have everything else, now you can perfect everything that you that you've done and give it polish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I was going to say is, what's interesting is tasawwuf is often, and the, and the 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 things that are taught in the science of tasawwuf are often the cure for a lot of the diseases that you're that you're talking about. As a matter of fact, I mean, I was talking to Saad the other day, and you know, both of us we mentioned, you know, the the, the modern woe. Is very heavy upon you know the heart and you know the mind and what's going on this depression and anxiety and all this stuff and oftentimes the solution is you know the the basic stuff right it's like oh you know how much Quran do you read per day how much dhikr do you do do you do what do you do like have you done any of these things do you sit by yourself and contemplate and do tadabbur and, and 
mm-hmm. and, and these types of things. If you've done none of these things and then you complain, oh, you know, I'm having a tough time and I'm depressed and you, you haven't done any of these things, then, yep. you know, mm-hmm. you know we're, looking, we're out looking for solutions in the wrong place, right? You're not putting in the work. You can't exactly. lose weight if you don't put in the work, yeah, right? Absolutely. My, my, I was talking to my dad and I was telling him that, you know, there are these five-mile, five-hour obstacle courses that these guys these guys do as like a weight loss thing, right? And they climb a muddy mountain, right? You know, like, and you're yeah. falling back and you climb again. Or you climb a really tall fence and there's even like some of them have like live wire. Yeah, yeah. tough right? modern, right? So I was, he's like, why do they do this stuff? I said, and my, the training, riding like, ride your bike for like 10 miles, then swim for a mile, all this stuff. He's like, why do they do this stuff? And I said, I thought they want to lose weight, right? He's like, tell them to shut their mouths <laughs> <laughs> from eating so much. That's the solution, right? Yeah. Right. But people don't put in the work, right? And you want to go to this, to this thing mm-hmm. as if in the same way that someone says, oh, is there a thicker for this? There is. There's a lot of thickers, right? But there's also like basic dean that you need to do. Lower your gaze, Right. Uh, lower your gaze. Pray on time. No. There's Pe- fundamentals. People want immediate, immediate. Immediate. Yes. They want like spiritual technology. This is exactly you, it. You plug this in and then it gives you X results. Immediate yeah. thing. So this doesn't work. We got to put in the basic bare bone, uh, fundamentals of things, uh, lowering the gaze and all these things. Making like when was I remember one time uh, a youth complained to uh, the sheikh in England and he said uh, and he said to him, I do so much dhikr but I feel like I'm dry. He said, what do you do all day? He said, I do this dhikr, I do this dhikr. He's like, when was the last time you made dua? Like you're saying all this, when was that you made dua? I was like, oh, I don't really, he didn't make dua, right? Well, dua takes a lot of iman, right? Dhikr is like, it's almost the, for some people, I'm not saying everyone, that some people, when they shift over from the modern and the, um, you know, this hippie stuff, uh, Hindu or... Yeah. You know, this thankful meditation mm-hmm. grat- yeah, yeah, meditations. When they shift over, could, that's what it is. It maps right? over. And you think, and their, their approach that they're doing, I'm doing it. I'm, you know, meditating myself, right, through Allah's name. Oh, okay. At least you're saying Allah's name. But dua is what requires iman. And you cannot make dua without iman, and you cannot uh, make dua without your iman growing at the same time. He also said to him, number two. How much istighfar do you make? He was like, oh, you know, not that much. Uh, maybe zero. Well, why are you assuming that you don't need to make istighfar? That's a big problem. Secondly, when you do this ibadah, do you ask for Allah to accept it? Or you just assume it's accepted, right? So ego is there. So much ego and weak faith. At the same time, there's a lot of dhikr. So the person was doing a lot of dhikr, not feeling much because that's why you need coaching. Absolutely. Right, and the sheikh is like a coach. He, he show you the short, the, not the shortcut, the right way. Otherwise, you're doing a big figure eight, and find yourself in the same place where you started, after all that energy was ex- expended. One of, one of the best recommendations somebody gave me was uh, to pray satur haja mm. all the times. Because when are you not? That's true. Right, and the dua from satur haja is. Encompass it's all encompassing. Mm-hmm. You're recognizing your weakness, you're yep. glorifying Allah, you're mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness of your sins because yep. you're going to commit them, and you're asking for prevention of harm. You want to hear a beautiful thing about Salatul Hajjah is that they said that. Um, Can you explain Salatul Hajjah? First? Firstly, Salatul Hajjah is a salah and it's a dua of need. I have the dua actually written there, but uh, it's two rakas and then you utter, you say this dua. 
It's from the instruction of the Prophet So um, it's the dua of dire need. Now someone say, oh, I don't have dire need. No, your dire need is veiled from you at this time so that you can function, right? You are always in dire need. Now what happens when there's a chicken bone in your throat, right? And you're choking. The veil has been lifted. Mm-hmm. Now you know and you see before, and you feel in front of your own two eyes and you feel it in your heart that you are in complete, dire, desperate need. So that's all it is, right? So when they say that the name of Allah, Al-Qabid, the one who constricts what happens, how does that happen? How do you feel that name? First, you don't, it, it, it's, it's the best for you, but nobody likes it. Yeah. Al-Basit is not as good for you. Al-Basit means the one who opens your heart. He expands your heart. In other words, makes you happy. That is, we love it the most, but it's not necessarily always the best for us, right? And sometimes it leads us to uh, corruption of ourselves. But Allah Ta'ala, uh, He manifests to the person in the name of Al-Qabid by lifting the veil of your neediness for Him. Otherwise, on every other day that He needs you to do things, He needs you to focus on others, for example. You need to focus on your job. Then He actually veils you from that. That's how you're able to function, Right? If someone's about to die, let's say your son is about to die or someone had a car accident about to die, that veil is lifted. Can you work? Can you go spend money at a restaurant? You can't, right? You can't because you're in desperate need. Then when Allah wants you to go do those things again, then he puts that veil back and he makes you feel that everything is perfect. He makes everything perfect. Right. right? So that's how we understand things. Things are always the same. It's just whether we're veiled from it or not. So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to back up on. So you mentioned the, the idea of a sheikh. And, and this is where a lot of folks really shy away from, from understanding the science of tasawwuf. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now you, you either have you know, two camps. You either have like the really hardcore like Wahhabiya style you know, uh, ibadah, mm-hmm. right? which is completely devoid of love and mercy almost, right? And then you also have the, the, the really goofy, like, you know, CD this and CD that. And, yeah. you know, everything is just about, like, you know, visiting shrines and doing maulids. And there's no real, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that specifically, but when it's divorced from any real uh, work. Inter- intellectual work. And, I mean, any real ibadah work, and it's mostly just, just feel-good stuff, right? Then this is where people are like, okay, you know, I don't want to do any of it. I'm just gonna, you know, do my basics, and and unfortunately, people throw out the baby with the bathwater. And I'll, let me tell you something about the that that latter part that you said. Uh, people go to mixed gatherings and melted, or then then they go out to eat together. CD culture, right? Basically. Yeah, you could call it that, right? <laughs> I guess it, it, they they screwed it up. <laughs> right. What can you say? They screwed it up. They had a good thing, and they screwed it up, right? Some people we can say that uh, by mixing th- muharramat. Now, let me tell you what that will lead to. Guarantee you, it will lead to a person either, A, they go get their act right and they start learning knowledge, or B, they actually just become whatever their culture is, right? And out of deen itself. I'll tell you why. Because when you do a lot of ibad, a lot of dhikr, okay, it's nice in the beginning. If you are mixing it with sins, you nullify it. You don't feel that you're benefiting. Then they realize, what am I doing it's not, what am I doing this for, right? I'm not benefit. I don't feel anything anymore. I don't benefit. Right. Because you nullify and get with your sins. So I keep pouring this beautiful water in it, 
but they am also also pouring mud in it. So you don't benefit. Same thing also, you have to be very careful of this. Someone who does their dhikr quick. Someone who rushes through their dhikr. Mm-hmm. Right? Eventually, guarantee you, they're going to leave it off. Why? If you persist in that, you're going to leave it off. Because you realize you don't benefit when you do that. When you do your dhikr quickly, do not benefit. Ask somebody, a doctor, if it's healthy to eat quickly. Firstly, besides choking. Forget choking. It's not healthy, right? Rushing is from shaitan. Ta'ani is from rahman. So when you do ibadah, if you want to benefit from the ibadah, slow it down. You think you're going to miss out on something? You're missing. This is what you're missing out on. You're missing out on what? Work? Email? What are you missing out on? <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to go slow. Missing and out on TikTok videos. TikTok, TikTok videos. That's what it is, right? FOMO is big. Yeah. So uh, you can't mix ibadah with sins. And that's why I'm telling you, the one who is, let's say, in a hardcore group, and then he for the first time meets the people of Tasawuf. He's in a hardcore group. Everything's black and white. Music is absolutely haram. Okay? Everything about it is haram. Even <laughs> anything. Right? Buddha is haram. Everything's haram. It's all haram. Okay? Um, whatever. Only wear Islamic clothes. Okay? Think of something else. What else is there? Oh, you have to have a beard, a scruffy beard. Okay? Say something. What else? Any is sort there? of object. Your, no, 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 no haircuts that are not all one length. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not even uh, shorter in the back, right? All these things. Now the person's doing this. Now he's just fed up. He's just choked up. He's choking. He's dried out. So he comes and he meets someone of Tasawuf. Then he starts doing some of that. And he's like benefiting greatly, right? But he goes there and he sees these guys, their beards are trimmed up. Right, they got the Buddha going, right? Mm. And he sees that. Now he makes him. Now he benefits so much at that point. I'll tell you why he's benefiting so much. He's benefiting so much because even though that first thing that he was on, I'm not going to name any groups, right? But that first school of thought that he was on actually closed the door to all those sins. So he did have uh uh the the door was closed. He just didn't have any food in the house, right? Yeah. The windows were locked shut. There's just no food and water in the house. There's no sugar in the house. Now, he getting some sugar in the house. So in order to do that, you have to open some doors. You have to open some windows to get the sugar in the house and get the food in the house. Now he's at a perfect median. Now I guarantee you this is what many people make. They make a mistake. One mistake. They say, oh, they have the Buddha. And there's a little bit of a duff there. Oh, I guess music is really sort of halal, right? Then he goes that route. Oh, these brothers trim their beard. Oh, let me trim my beard. Right? Oh, he's wearing... Oh, sometimes he wears a thobe, but sometimes he wears regular clothes too. So maybe I could do that too. So we start doing that. All of a sudden, wait, I'm actually pretty handsome. Right? Well, then now the girls, they're not scared of you anymore. (laughs) 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 So now they're sort of like, well, she just said hello. Right? And then he go and that's the route they go. I guarantee you there's like so many youth and adults that they went that route. But that middle is very hard to get that middle. Okay, it's very hard to get that middle. So yeah, we that that middle is so important. We have to close off the door on loose on these sins. And I guarantee you, okay, that you know it's nine out of ten of our listeners they know someone or they experience it this themselves that they started off with a super strict operation, right, and then they dried out. They came into the the middle, the, the like traditional middle four methods with tasawwuf, 
But they misunderstood certain things. They misunderstood that because there's mawarid, as if music is halal. No, it's it's not in any of the four madhabs, right? And let's say it, someone says, oh, come on, don't say this. Look at Shokani's fatwa. Shokani has a great fatwa, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, you heard yeah, yeah, this, I right? Know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. First of all, Shokani, he lists two groups. The one group he calls those who prohibit. The second group he calls, he lists their names, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? He lists their names. Now, let me just tell you one thing. Just because some shiuch, they don't go and rail against music. And just because you found a fatwa, leave all that aside. I want you to go to the actual shiuch who are the arifina billah and look at their practice. I want you to go to the shiuch that you look up to. And I want you to go to the place where the Quran is memorized. Okay. And the fuqaha are produced. And I want you to see how they live. I guarantee you they don't listen to music. A hundred percent they're not listening to <laughs> Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> the Billboard Top One Hundred. Yeah, they're not yes. they're not listening to the the ridiculous facet that's out there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Guaranteed. Now what they may you may see, may see, is that in their playlists, right? Or in the things that you may hear in these environments, okay, one Qasida, someone played a flute in it. Yeah, and the fish, and then yeah. it was like, yeah. Somehow a flute got involved, right? <laughs> right. But you can, all, you literally, you know something's different, but you don't even know what's different yeah. until you listen for it, right? And, you know, so so that that's why, because there is, the, the, the people of the four madhabs, from what I've seen, they have a commonsensical flexibility. So sometimes things like, okay, some edges are there, right? But don't think, make a mistake and think that's a permissibility of music. Now, it's a completely not popular thing to say. But sometimes the right thing, the medicine, is not necessarily taste good. Oh, the youth are never going to listen to this. We're not here doing anything except we're telling you what you need to hear. You don't like it, but that's what you need to hear. It's, it's a ridiculous argument. Yeah. The, the youth don't want to hear it? Yeah. The youth don't want to hear anything that's good for them. That's true. To be honest. They don't want to hear about studying. You're going to tell your kids not to go on crazy websites because yeah. they really want to go on them? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what kind of argument is I that? Know. I can't tell my 13-year-old yeah. son not to go to X-rated sites. Yeah. He really wants to. <laughs> I, I'm it's telling so you. Stupid. The argument usually boils down to, and it's not a great argument, is that they're going to be completely lost otherwise, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, if you come down too hard on them, they're going to hate then, Yeah, then they're going to completely pull away 100%. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know how true that is. I'm going to say, I'm going to put my faith in, which I think is the bulk of people who have common sense. And they know, you know, that what, you know, what they're hearing, if it has some kind of a basis and an evidence, even if you're not doing it, right, you're not doing it now, in the future. Allah may open the door for you to practice that, right? And I and that just you hear, you heard one thing that you don't like. You're gonna throw out the whole of Islam. You need other forms of therapy then, and help thinking. Here, here's right? here's something better. Listen to Han 97, but then just know their Torah and make Tawbah. That's it. And then let's see how tired you get of making Tawbah every day. Yeah. I know. And let's and pray to Rakaz. <laughs> say you won't come back to this sin, <laughs> and ask Allah for forgiveness. And then tomorrow morning we'll see what you listen to on your drive to work. We had the staff orientation, and one of the things I said is the policy of Safina society is that it's the it's the mashhur of any of the four madhabs, and the aqidah of the ashair and the maturidiyah. Okay, and that you could say the Hanabila if we go to their original aqidahs, right? 
and the Tasawwuf of Ghazali. Right? There's Ghazali and Ash-Shali. Habib Omar teaches that Turuq, the ways of Tasawwuf, are either the way of Ghazali or the way of Ash-Shadili. The way of Al-Ghazali is harshness on the nafs. The way of Ash-Shadili is leniency on the nafs and yet an abundance of ibadah, mm-hmm. of shukr. That's, that's what I like, right? And I think that's what suits us, to be honest with you. So, uh, and the, when he says the way of Ash-Shadili is not necessarily limited to the Shadili tariqah. Other turuq may have observed that methodology and shiuk may have observed that. But point being, this is the policy. If you get a question, that's the policy. Now you may be in a position where you're answering a question that you don't practice. Like what is the ruling on this? The ruling official policy of the organization that when you get asked this question, this is the answer, right? You may not practice that. So I said to him, you may start feeling like this cognitive dissonance, like you're a big munafiq. So you're not a munafiq. We're all, we have weakness. That's all. The munafiq is if you accept it for yourself. And, and Habib Omar said this about sins. What happens if I do da'wah but I do sins? What happens if I, you know, why do I do a lot of sins and how do I know that it's harmful? He said it's harmful when you reach a point of accepting it for yourself. But if you don't accept it for yourself, I'm, I'm not pleased with myself, right? That I'm not pleased with myself that I'm involved in like five interest-based contracts. I'm not pleased with it, right? You're, you're not persistent upon sin. In the yeah. sight of Allah, at that point, you're 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 penitent, right? You're someone who is, you know, uh, uh, acceptable. That's acceptable because when you don't accept it for yourself, you're saying, "I adhere." This is the truth. I'm just the one who's weak. You're not a munafiq. You should have no feeling of hypocrisy. You should have a feeling of weakness, which is a beautiful bifurcation and solves a lot of our problems because I'm sure that a lot of people are heavily involved in dawah and also heavily involved in some sins, yeah. right? Because who's doing Dawah today? You think it's like a 12, 20-year graduate, 10-year graduate who had 50 shiuch helping him? No. no. A, a medical doctor. How many medical doctors help him become a medical doctor? Right. You're taking courses for four years with all these guys, uh, with doctors, essentially. And then you're taking residency with how many doctors are involved in that. How many doctors come together to produce one doctor? Right? Right. Ta- dozens. We have shiuch. It's just like you met two shiuch for two weeks. <laughs> now you're the you're the biggest. You're the most knowledgeable person in the town now. The, right? The, the dais yeah. are the first aid guys. First mm-hmm. aid. That's exactly what it That's is. That's all it is. They took they took the CPR course. Uh-huh. Yeah. They took a, a first aid course. That's a good one. Yeah. Like eight hours total training. Exactly. So why should we expect? I don't expect you to be to reach even a level of like mustaqim, right? Mm. In terms of all the Absolutely. deeds, I expect you to have sense. You're a human being, right? But now, how do we deal with those sins? Burrow it and be a munafiq? No. Change the ruling of Allah? No. Never. Just admit to weakness. Yeah. That's it. I'm weak. And may Allah accept my tawbah. That's yeah. it. So then, next question is, a lot of people see, for example, I'm, I'm reading this text that Ibn Atta'illah, he said these things, right? Some people may say, oh, why take from other people who are going to give us advice about the deen? I only like to take from specific sources, like you know the the if it's from the four madahib, I accept that. I accept uh, the Prophet I accept the Quran. I accept the Sahaba. But even for people who, for example, pass practice the four madahib, they have this uncomfortable feeling with regards to uh, taking from someone else outside of, of this. For example, I'll, I'll, you know I've heard hesitation from people on the. The wird, for example, doing the the wird of 
uh, Imam al-Nawi or Imam al-Haddad or somebody else. So, oh, why should I take somebody else's compilation? Yeah. Shouldn't I only take a compilation? Can from I give you the layman answer yeah. sure, first? Sure. The layman's answer is, who do you think these people are? Yeah. And now right. we, that's just the Shafi'i, he's just the Shafi'i Madhab. He's just yeah. a, the, one of the sources yep. from which we understand the Shafi'i Madhab. And his word is nothing but Quran and Sunnah. The word of the Shadali is nothing but Quran and Sunnah. You look at his Bahar, it's just it's yeah. just yeah. dua and, and Quran and hadith. And like, like, what are you talking about? And it's like, what exactly <laughs> is meant by, you know, someone else or someone external or, or someone that's not... Uh, "Quote unquote, like Orthodox. I mean, yeah. all these, all these figures, ta- yeah, all these figures are Orthodox. <laughs> so, okay, so, and uh, even what we uh, know now is transmitted through those scholars. Right? Let, let's like say, how has that arrived at, to us? Le, exactly. <laughs> let me, let me, let's play. Uh, let's go along with this. Okay, brother, where are you getting your the morning of God from? Where are you going to get it from? I, I just read Quran. Isn't Quran the best thicker? Okay. Now, you, the Quran is the best thicker, of course." Didn't the Prophet say, say this, say that? So ignore the Sunnah? No. Okay, so where are you going to get your adhkar that are specifically mentioned by the Prophet? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where does it say adhkar of the morning in the Quran? Okay, so there's a Sunnah too. Hmm. So how are you going to get the adhkar of the Prophet? But then Sunnah. isn't it better for me to just take the hadith and, and, from and write where, those down? Ahla wa From where are you going to take the hadiths? From Sharh Sahih Muslim. <laughs> oh no, that's no way again. <laughs> and he's explaining it to you using his own words. Oh no. <laughs> so, from where are you going to get the, the hadith? I would look it up in. <laughs> in what? Where are you going to get the hadith? You're not telling me because <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you that person. You're you're yeah, that yeah. person now. We're having a debate team. Well, right? you can't I've, even I've think lost, like that person. I can't even think like that person. Okay, Saad. I get it. From <laughs> Sunnah.com. Alex, Alex, where are you gonna get Sunnah.com. it? Sunnah.com. Sunnah.com. So you're gonna go from to Bukhari's, or you get Bukhari, right? That's the best book, right? right. In English. Okay. So you are therefore relying. I'm not a master of Fusha, so it has to be in English. It, okay. <laughs> so translated by who? Sayyidina <laughs> Imam al-Bukhari, is, did he ever advertise himself to be the collection of the entire Sunnah? Because it's no. not the encyclopedia. I, I don't know because I never read his biography. <laughs> 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 so you are still then, nonetheless. But, uh, he, let's was say, an, but he, was, he was from Arabia, so he knew better. <laughs> so let's say. Bukhari al-Arabi. Yeah. <laughs> You ask Egyptians, they think he's from Azhar. <laughs> <laughs> Imam Bu- Let's say hypothetically, Imam al-Bukhari get the adhkar from Bukhari Sahih. Okay. Sahih. You didn't know that Imam al-Bukhari made a choice selection. That's his selection of the ahadith to include. Are they the only ones? No, they're not the only ones. Imam al-Nawawi's Book of Remembrance is the size of entire Sahih Bukhari. <laughs> And if Sayyid Bukhari is going to have like a chapter on the right. Adhkar, right? right? So you are, you're still relying on a human being. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to play this person again. Because this okay. person, because I, I've met a lot of these types of people, right? And I've, I've grown up around a lot of these types of people. And the mentality isn't just, it, a lot of these people are sincere, right? They're, yeah. they're trying to... Uh, truly understand where these things come from and so that for them there is this apprehension uh, uh, because a lot of these things seem alien the whole the entire culture of the soul is so mired in in especially the the, the bad the, the bad apples of, of you know the soul uh, have have created this sort of environment and culture of just yeah. and and I will tell you this as being being from the subcontinent right yeah 
the subcontinent Sunnis, what most folks would call the Barelvis, right, is they would say that, you know, they've gone so far into the whole, you know, the 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 culture of tasawwuf and going to the the, the mazars, going to uh, <coughs> the istighatha and the tawassul, they've gone so far mm-hmm. that they're they're and and they're like you said earlier, there's so much sin, and then a lot of these people come come to the states or come to Western countries and they they then see the other side, right? And then this isn't just limited to the the subcontinent. We see it from other other places as well, where, where there's like a big Sunni influence, right? They come from there because there's a lot of jahiliyyah as well, right? And so they come, they learn some books, they learn some stuff, and then now they're like, okay. Um, <coughs> I don't feel comfortable with all this stuff, and so they, they kind of just reject it all wholesale. Right? I, I roomed with one of those guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot, and that's where the questioning question is coming from, right, is from this background of, you know, I'm trying to be sincere, I'm trying to understand the four madhahib and the 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 ashari maturidi way yeah. and the, the aqidah, the hanabila aqidah. I'm trying to understand all of this, but the tasawwuf stuff, it really bugs me. I don't, okay, I don't I'll understand. tell you, listen, if you come from that background and you're totally bugged out, Take your t- then you you get a free pass, right? You should get a free pass, right? Uh, and we're talking, you know that when you're not in a field, okay, you don't study mm-hmm. that field. When you get burned once, pretty much the rest of your life, you're just gonna avoid that thing. It's only the people who are studying, who study the matter, they're the ones who should be. We should expect them to take a U-turn when they discover a piece of evidence, right? right? I expect if you're, let's say, let's say I'm debating with, let's say, a, a brother about a mas'ala who's a talib ilm, a student of knowledge. If you prevent, present me with the evidence, even, uh, let's say, within the Madakis, we're debating something in the Madaki madhab, and he presents me with the text, right? It, it should be expected that one of those, whoever, when the evidence presented, you take a U-turn right away. You know, even if you were doing this for your whole life and preaching it for your whole life. When the evidence is presented to you, you make a U-turn. I don't expect that from a regular common Muslim. I don't expect that. So I say, all right, you got a free pass. You you were so burned by that other thing, right? But I'm just going to tell you one thing. Don't say something's haram, right? And the same way I'm getting you a free pass because you don't, you're not a talib alim. You're like an IT guy, right? You don't study. Right. And you admittedly don't study, but you just, I don't want that thing. Okay, fine. You have an emotional reaction. That's not a basis for you to say haram. Correct. So that's one thing I take, right? Number two, I want to have to. I have to say I did talk to Sheikh Ramin Asur. I talked to my Sheikh Mahmoud uh, Shaviv about this. I talked to many other people. I'll tell you what has just weighed down to Sawuf so badly is istighatha. It is an unnecessary matter to preach istighatha. I don't even want to get what into get it. Okay. Istighatha is madadi abbas. Okay. Let's say hypothetically the, the 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 Sunni scholars they have something that it they have proofs where certain even Sahaba said this mm-hmm. they said uh, Ya Rasulullah after his death hypothetical was it a practice that they did constantly all day it wasn't it was like okay in a battle he said it uh, Abdullah bin Omar when he his leg was in pain he said it right it's like one off incidents here and there. This is not something that, if you look at the usage, it's actually, it's, it's presence in our life, in our religious life, in our ibadah, versus its presence in the debate sphere. It's way outweighed, right? Yeah. And it's totally confusing to people. 
I'm going right? to wade into dangerous waters, but it's yeah. exactly the same thing as does Allah, can Allah lie? Yeah. Right? This is divided an entire continent. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's it's a it's a breach that's never going to be healed. Yeah, without Allah's intervention directly mm-hmm. into into this conflict and yeah. helping people's hearts heal. Yeah, and it's something that would never comes up in someone's it, practice. It of never comes up in your mm-hmm. thought. In what way would would you ever? Yeah, how does that affect your being a Muslim? Exactly, it doesn't. It's an intellectual debate. Mm-hmm. It's almost at the level of philosophy, even though it's theology. Mm-hmm. It's almost at the level of a philosophical debate about stuff that yeah. is never going to occur in real life. And Who's no, ever going to be bothered with that? No common Muslim would have ever thought to bring it up. Right? It's, it'll never come up on your mind unless someone taught it to you. Yeah. Be, so, and they only will teach it to you for a partisan purpose. So to, to your point yeah. about Istinghala, there's something I, uh, I pulled up on my phone to read. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, there's a discussion of previous this to about you know the making mushrikeen out of common day yeah. everyday Muslims at a period in our history and how the terrible things that happened. Yeah. The next paragraph is the success of their dawah is not in how many hardcore takfiris they convert to their worldview. It lies in the fact that even regular Muslims now apply a quote unquote shirk test mm-hmm. to permissible and even sunnah actions. Yep. And even when that test is passed. They default to, okay, it's probably permissible, but let's stay away from it anyway, uh-huh. just in case we somehow become kafirs and mushriks. Exactly. And it's an unacceptable encroachment of our tradition, born from the mind of a paranoid zealot, whose deviance was denounced even by his father and brother. That was uh, extra. That's, that's I could have stopped right. before that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fact. That's, that's where it reached to. Yeah. Uh, it reached so far that a, a common person, <coughs> like, uh, why not say common person, meaning like a regular anti. I said, oh, you know, one of the best things you do is salah and salam on the prophets. I said, and her reply, a religious Muslim, was, Wait, isn't this bid'ah? Right? Salah and salam on the messenger. Isn't this bid'ah? Yeah. Like, we How got to that far. <laughs> yeah. What you say? How does she do druud and prayer? <laughs> I'm telling you. Or so, say that the shah. No, yeah. because, yeah. because in their mind, it's you, you, put on, you put on some, like, funny lights. Oh. And, and you're all swaying, and somebody's playing a right. lute in the background, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you're saying, yep. yeah. "There's this somebody's right? It's right. like yeah. a whole. Yeah. So they, they, they turn it into some kind of crazy. It's a projection ritual. of like what they imagine. Instead that, of just well, giving, because people somebody. don't people don't take the subwoof. Most people, right? Yeah. You you go tell the the Alm person in the Western world, right? Some Muslim, just pick them up from the masjid and ask them what the subwoof is. They're not going to say, oh, it's Ibn Atta'illah and he's telling us about the inner states and you know how to cure the diseases yeah. of the heart and how to understand hasad and understand these things and how to perfect your prayer. They think it's hadra. They yeah. think it's uh, istighatha. Mm-hmm. They think it's... Uh, Putting that's razor right. blades in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> right. They I'm think it's... You. Mind you, and I'm not even dismissing any of those practices of tasawwuf, but it's like the music thing. Exactly yeah. like the music mm-hmm. thing, right? Where, you know, it, it, it's... These are the fringe things that pe- these are minor things that people do. Not the Sufis are not constantly in a state of hadra. Yeah. Right. Like nobody's doing hadra all yeah. day and all night. Yeah. Now here's here. here, here. <laughs> right. Like and even if even if you, even if you convince a person like that that it's permissible, <laughs> they'll go, yeah, but probably you should stay away from it. Right. It's like, like why this would you is stay the away default. From? The default is everything is shirk, and possibly and bidah and possibly kufr. Even if it's not, yeah. you know, it's safer to not do anything ever. Yeah. How would you counter that? You have to be careful not to overpraise the Prophet, yeah. Like you ever could. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. 
But I, it, this is a good point, though, because I, I do question how how do you counter that? Because I've heard it from many people. For example, the they'll, be, they'll say things like it's better to be safe than to be sorry, like, of, right? Like what Alex is saying. Oh. That's the argument. <clears throat> is it after fifteen years of being in this? My response is, oh, okay, be safe. <laughs> <laughs> be safe. Be safe. I guarantee you'll be knocking five years later. Yeah. When you're uh, in the same situation, mm-hmm. but you see, oh, wow, that brother's coming and go, and that brother's developing. And this is, when you see that this uh, a little beehive or that little beehive of of one of the madhahib, right, uh, and the traditional s- settings are producing they're producing this one went and he learned and he can give you rulings now right where'd he come out of he came out of that little beehive right or this little beehive and you you haven't changed right now and i'll tell you this happened right this person i had a person who was of of that type of mentality pretty hard though is it okay Uh, i tried to argue with him back when i was naive enough to argue now i just say let's let the scoreboard tell the score the scoreboard is what happens in the on the ground right let that tell the story. So, so years later, this the, the person, because he doesn't do, refused to do usul and madhahib. So they get confused in fiqh. Now, he always comes to me with fiqh questions, right? To me, I don't, I don't need you to tell me I, you lost and I won, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or I was right and you're wrong. Your behavior is telling me that. Why are you asking me, right? You're asking me because that's an admission. I don't want to rub anything in, and no one won and lost here. Right. I'm just saying that in terms of you know feeling. That's how you feel. Yeah. I was right. Okay, right. this is the right way to do things. You study the curriculum of a madhab. Okay, the madhab have existed for this long for a reason. Right. 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 And the non-madhab don't exist. There's no such thing. Right. <clears throat> so and therefore, let's let the scoreboard decide. Yeah. I mean, and, and in every science, is it not the case? That there's always some fringe, weird opinion. So, for example, take even Aqid, even Aqidah, right? Yeah. The, we have the Mu'tazila, mm-hmm. right? Who went so extreme in 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 Kalam, mm-hmm. and then they they you know they 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 had issues, right? People could do the same with Tasawwuf, right? We, 100%. we we know it all. We, there's many stories, right? People go so extreme in the science of Tasawwuf, and then yeah. they make mistakes. So obviously, it can happen in any field. Sidi Ahmed Zarruq was yelling about this 300 years ago, 500 years ago when he yeah. lived. He was saying, and he has a book, Qawad al-Tasawwuf, like lamenting. This is not the way we're supposed to be doing things because he could foresee that we're losing the priority. And if you lose a priority, eventually someone's going to call you out. So I have no problem saying that you know, our policy is that t- type of to self, which is without the extremities and the excesses that just from common sense it's pulled down pulls down the whole thing right yeah it, one of them being istighatha i had never ever have had a need to teach this people don't even make dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <laughs> it's true right? though right. Right. Yeah. What, i laugh but yeah, it's true what i will tell you is that ibadah that will draw you near to allah is a tawassul with all of its forms what is tawassul? Tawassul is using a means. Salah is a means. Dhikrullah yeah. is a means, right? Facing the Qibla is a Facing means. Facing the Qibla is a means. Making wudu is a means. Following the Sunnah is a means. Loving your parents, being good to your parents is a wasila. Charity. Wasila means a means, is a means. Fasting is a charity. 
all these are wasail. But right? they'll say I don't get hung up about all those things. It's only like you know. No, when they say oh, love of the messenger is the greatest of wasail. Why? What's the proof? What is Abu Bakr's first ibadah? What is Sayyidina Khadija's first ibadah? What is Sayyidina Ali's first ibadah? These are the first three converts. What is Sayyidina Bilal's first ibadah? Before there was ever something called wudu or salah or even the shahada. Before there was a word, something called shahada, right? That to say la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah to demarcate yourself as a Muslim. Before there was ever that, these four, the first child, the first male, the first slave, the first woman to become Muslim, they loved Sayyidina Muhammad. Sayyidina Muhammad They loved the Messenger, peace be upon him. They trusted him 100% and they loved him. Bilal, when he saw the Prophet's face, he didn't know the Prophet. He said, That's not the face of a liar. That's the first thing he said. So he loved him right away. He trusted him right away. So, love of the Messenger, how are we going to attain that? You attain it however you want to attain it. You can read, you want to tell me, you can read about him. Do Salah and Salam about him. Read Shama'il, read Sirah, however you want to do it. Okay? What's important is that a person has... Now, when you do that, that's, that's what we mean by tawassu. That's the wasila. The Prophet. You love the Prophet as an act that is, you know is pleasing to Allah. Follow his sunnah. Love his sunnah. Read the shama'il and do salawat upon him. Knowing that this is pleasing to your creator. That's wasila. And that we teach all day. Right? You know, somebody once asked... Uh, a sheikh mm. um, about finding a tariq or something. This is not a sheikh that promotes being in a tariq. This is not against it, but he doesn't promote it. Yeah. And they were like, you know, I'm, I want to find the Sufi sheikh. What should I do? And he said, go through Matharat al Kulub, Muhammad Maulud's book, uh, Diseases of the Heart and Their Cures. Apply that stuff. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, if you're having ahwal mm-hmm. and stuff like that, then go find the sheikh because you need one because yeah. now you've become something... You need the, the sheikh to control your ahwal. Right? Yeah. yeah. But in the meantime, to just, monitor them. just yeah. go through these and Straight. try to eliminate these diseases from your heart and try to apply their cures, yeah. which is a lifetime's work. Exactly. And here's the thing. Some people, this idea of a sheikh, let's address this for a second. Some people get this mistake that, oh, you cannot develop spiritually without a sheikh. No, that's not the case. The majority of the time when they said you must have a sheikh, they were saying this because people would develop so quickly. And the, and back then, people were pure. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing dhikr and you're pure. Now what's going to happen is something's going to happen called mukashafat. All right? You're going to have kashf. It means you're going to have beautiful dreams. You're going to have inspirations, all these things. This was what may lead you astray. You may fall off the the... the uh, the right path because you have so many unveilings mm-hmm. that even shaitan may possibly throw something in there. You need a sheikh to show you what's a true mukashafa, what's false, and how to live with it. Right. Right? That's why you needed a sheikh. Right? But some people think, I can't do <clears throat> any tisaw without a sheikh. I have a sheikh without a bayah. This is not access to a gym. Right, <laughs> that's what that's yeah. what people really treat it like. Yeah, right. I, I need to hit the weights, but I, I don't have a gym membership, yeah. so no. I can't go to the weight room. Right? No, this is not how it is. Ninety nine percent of all this, you can do it. It's good <laughs> to have someone give you a word and so that you know that it's coming from a scholar, that it's yeah. not some made up. Uh, but you know, just if the Imam of your masjid, if he's a normal, regular, good Muslim, and mm-hmm. he'll be like, just read, you know, yeah, Ratib uh, or the word of Imam Nawawi or something yeah. like that, and there you go. Moin, what were you telling me the other day about uh, what uh, Imam Ahmad Zarruq said? 
Yeah, Sidi Ahmed Zero, I think Harun posted it, right? That, you know, at, at, in his time, and, and it's, I, I think the, the statement is a bit hyperbolic, but, yeah. uh, you know, at his time, you know, there was no, uh, he said that there, there is no murabbi uh, around yeah. anymore, and so take the salawat on the Prophet as your sheikh. So, it's it's yeah. definitely yeah, hyperbole. So I, I mean, it's, it's hyperbolic, <laughs> obviously. You know, yeah, uh, and actually uh, some people unfortunately took that literally. Like, I know. Because, and, and what's the reason? The reason is that he, he's saying that hyperbolically, and the reason is that if there's no murabbi, then there's no one to actualize and reach the levels of ihsan needed. That means the message, the message of the Prophet mm-hmm. has become limited. Right. Like it's 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 a dead end, and that would be a nux for the Prophet Right. The sign that, that the Prophet when he when Allah says well, what is to come is always better than for you. This also means for his ummah in the sense that there will always be the message of Islam as the Prophet wanted it fulfilled on the earth. Okay? Because if there's no murabbi, that means there's no fulfillment of the message. Right? So he may be saying that hyperbolically. He may have be saying that if if your town doesn't have... Of course, it's possible for a certain town not to have a murabbi. There's not a single... There could be continents with no Muslims at all. Yeah. So, but... The, we wouldn't say that Tawheed is not observed. Yeah, Tawheed is not observed there, but it's definitely observed in the world. I mean, we can also take it in today's times. There's there's just so much fitna around, so much confusion around, right? That even if a murabi exists, right, it's it's difficult to, to find, understand who they are, and, and, and how to get to them. Uh, yeah. At least at least comparatively to, relative to you know how, how it used to be, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's how you know how I understood. And it. also Imam Al Haddad he also said that at the end of time the path is Ashab al Yameen more so than the path of the Muqarrabin. So maybe back in the day, the Muqarrabin means those who are drawn very close near. And Ashab al Yameen is the righteous. Means they avoid sins, they do good deeds. And they try to do a little bit more good deeds. That's it, right? It's very simple. But he said that the path of mujahada, struggle, striving, will be to arrive at uh, Ashab al Yameen. <laughs> right? Allah. Right? Because think about it. How that holds many, true in my life. That's so true, right? <coughs> you spend your whole year, life, and when you finally make an achievement, what's your achievement? Oh, uh, I, I, I don't commit this or that sin anymore. I prayed all five in the masjid yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> SubhanAllah. I mean, by, by default, you had to look for sins back in those days. Today, you have to spend 20 years of your life trying to not do a certain sin. You know? All five in the masjid? I would think, like, you know, I've, I've reached. Listen, by the way. We joke, right? <laughs> no, but, no, but there's the true. famous no, saying no, of. True. Yeah, there's the famous saying of Sayyidina Omar ab- about, about having uh, khushu that if I had one. One prayer with Khushu, I would consider myself uh, a, a true believer. Subhanallah. And this is Omar. Yeah. Now, if someone wants a wirt, we put him on the website. Safinasidi.org backslash wirt. Well, we put the two awrad of the morning and the evening. Subhanallah. There you go. Do a they have to look at your picture? And <laughs> 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 to get the spiritual connection. Alex is referencing some uh, people that said they put the picture of the sheikh and say Allah, Allah, Allah. Right? <laughs> yeah, and you take, you take yeah. your, you take your, uh, you give your bayah with the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Staring at the picture increases or, you. Or you put your hands on the monitor of the computer. Subhanallah. The, uh, the sheikh, the zoom back. <laughs> the, yeah. or, or, you, or you follow... You f- <laughs> you make you pray in Jamaat from by watching the Kaaba. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not to dismiss some of the more esoteric 
realities of of the soul of, of course not <laughs> you know, so. uh, let you listen if we're talking to pa- people here who maybe they have kids right. teach your kid in the same way that you teach him how to recite the quran right you teach him that seriously you make sure he had read the quran right well teach him also dala'il khairat yeah we do not ever do any ibadah without having some mention of the messenger side so, right but well, who, who did you get the quran from of course, oh, from Allah. Okay, but Allah did not come and give it to you. The Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was sent with the Quran, so you have to give some shukr with that, right? And I'm telling you, the there is a something that Salah on the Prophet does to a person's character. It smoothens out and removes anxieties. Who said this? The Prophet himself said this, right? So, we have now an epidemic of anxiety. We have an epidemic of mental illness. One of the ways that we should really spare ourselves from it and our and, and our kids and youth is salah and salam on the message should be part of the curriculum and one of the things when qari zahid he runs the hibs academy for us now alhamdulillah and it's very successful the one of the things i said is i want a hit academy that is produces people they memorize the quran they will also recite salawats on the prophet okay so they're not just gonna uh, you recite a beautiful recitation of quran Okay, you also show me how you recite. How do you send salah and salam on the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? This is an no, antidote. Critical. This is, this is all tasawwuf. That's the tasawwuf right there. If that's all the thing that you do, that's the tasawwuf. Lower the gaze, lower your gaze, and then make salah and salam on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You're good to go. Just, just prove that you could do the first one first, right? That's it. You know, it. Uh, talking about tariqahs and all this. Lower your gaze. Okay? Not going to make a difference how many bayahs you have. It, you're not going to benefit from this if you're not lowering your gaze. Of course, I'll tell you where the value of shiuch is. These shiuch, they're, they're, what are they? They're people who are so pious. Their dua is so valuable. That's what you want to get. Right? That's what you want to get. And these shiuch, some of them, like let's say Habib Omar, Hafizullah, how many hundreds of thousands of People they want to be the murids of Habib Omar. so they take on the awrad and the athkar. Do you think he knows every single one of their names? So I asked one time, well, how did, how does this actually work? How do you have your disciple? How many disciples? You don't even know who they are. He said the sheikh. He says, Oh Allah, I have now too many people coming, right? So I send this dua up. He sends a dua up for all of them, even those who I don't know, and that dua will reach that person when they need it and when they're ready. That's how it works. And if you ever wondered, I don't understand this idea. I have a sheikh and he's six, seven thousand miles away. How does this work? Well, it does work. It does work. If you truly are sincerely intending to benefit from that sheikh, the biggest thing you can benefit from is dua. Because we believe they're extremely pious. This is a wasila that we're also, we promote. Didn't the Prophet ﷺ himself said to Umar ibn Khattab, don't forget us in your dua. When he sent that first group out to Hajj and said the, and the Prophet ﷺ didn't go. Right, he sent them, or was it Umrah or something? Right, and the Prophet did not go, and they went, and he said, "Do not forget us from your dua." Even said, "Umrah, me make dua for you." Right, Subhanallah. What what was the Prophet teaching us? Because the Prophet must do it once to make it firmly, clearly a sunnah. <clears throat> Asking others for their dua. Now, now, dua from parents is number one. From your mother is number one. one of the things I was taught right away is is that when you're going to take a sheikh, you can love your sheikh as much as you want, but you're you better have bir al-walidayn is far more important 
right? That's number one. The parents number one. Number two, the pious, but also the victims, the elderly, the vulnerable, the sick, the people that are on the fringes of society. Nobody cares about them, right? They might not look pious, but at that moment, he has the empathy from Allah. So he has a rafa. Allah's being, you know, their dua is special. So wasila of seeking people's du'as is one of the greatest reasons why having a sheikh is valuable. Uh, there's one tariq I know of that their their du'a that they do after every, several times a day after every wirk is yourself, your parents, mm-hmm. your teachers, all the murids of the of the tariq, and then the generality of the Muslims. So yeah. you, if there's ten thousand, or if there's a hundred thousand, or if there's mm-hmm. five thousand murids. Yeah. That's 5,000 people who are making du'a for you That's every true. single day. That's beautiful. And specifying you as a brethren in yeah. that. SubhanAllah. Based on that. Just that connection. Yeah. And so what's and better than that? And the only unfortunate thing is that the relevance for this, for many of the audience members, is, is very low because there aren't shiuch around in the Western Hemisphere. There are not a lot of shiuch around. There are the middlemen. Yeah. Right? Like you know, most of uh, imams are the middlemen. He'll introduce you to the concept. Maybe he can introduce you to, to go there, right, and visit the shiuch. But we're, what they, uh, a lofty term for that would be muqaddims. That's like the official term. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not official, but in essence, it's the same thing that we're they're middlemen introducing you to the concept, introducing you to the idea. May not be the actual sheikh, you know, themselves. And but introduce you to the concept. So that's why, in a sense, discussion about shiuch has a limited relevance. Right. Right. But what I'm hearing from all of this, right, is is <clears throat> especially in, in today's time, the the sort of balanced way of tasawwuf is it, it makes the most sense because a lot of people hearing things like, oh, you know, once I get through Imam Maulud's book, for example, the the diseases of the heart, like it's going to take me a lifetime, so I don't even need to worry about the idea of a sheikh or think about the idea of a sheikh, right? And, and so they dismiss that whole thing. And then there's the other side where it's just like, okay, you know, even in order to start, I need a sheikh. Yeah. Right? So the, the middle is the best thing. You have to understand there's the, this, this, heaven, this idea of having a sheikh is like, what is it? You, you, we need good suhbah. Yeah. Right. Good companionship. Now, if someone, you know, he knows how to build a Lamborghini, and you still don't know how, you know, to to build a little race car, like you know these uh, go kart. Okay. Does that mean that oh, I'm not even going to go meet him, or sit with him, or listen to him until I can first build a go kart? No. You still want to go and strive and keep their company because if you can if you hang out with guys with someone who's building a Lamborghini, you're going to be building a regular car much faster than you're going to be building a go-kart, right? So this logic is not correct. correct right? Especially when the rest of the guys in his garage know how to build cars. Yeah. And now they're your friends. That's true. Exactly. And and, and the thing is that you're going you're gonna to move on. It's not just about learning, too. It's, it's about love. If you see a real sheikh, and these are the real pious people their aqidah is sound their ibadah is sound there is a charisma around them and there is a barakah around them and there is a blessing in their company and you love it and you just know it when you see it and if you don't know it and you know what i'm talking about then you will one day inshallah if you ever see them if you ever meet them and if you ever sit with them you feel something different and these are ahlullah these are the people of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you feel such a sakina uh in their presence and it's very unfortunate. One of the unfortunate things is that the, the population of the Ummah has expanded so 
quickly, right? And so far and wide that a person may go their whole life, they never meet one of these mashaykh, right? Never meet one of these mashaykh. So that's one of the, uh, in the, the again, the, the relevancy of these types of discussion goes a little bit down when people don't, you know, have a chance to meet any of these people. And, and you know, right? Sheikh, one of the things that I've observed in my 20-something years as a Muslim mm-hmm. is that the people that are like this, they tend to be in back home landia, right? Mm-hmm. And even the ones that are from the West leave and go to a Muslim land. So yeah, you're not going to find a lot of people yeah. like that in the West. Yeah. I don't know how much I don't know how much it takes for someone who's truly pious and truly living the sunnah to survive in a Western country. It's, uh-huh. it's got to be super taxing. It's very taxing. And uh, oftentimes, you're completely not respected. That no one will really benefit yeah. from them. Right. So the fact that we live here, we live here for whatever reasons we live here. We were born here. Mm-hmm. Our parents brought us here. Whatever it is, this is where we're living. It's, yep. one, of, it's one of our tests that we 100%. don't have easy access to a lot of things. Yeah. We don't have messages on the corners. Mm-hmm. We don't have uh, easy access to wudu facilities at work. Yep. We have to work through Ramadan. Our, our day of gathering is a work day. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a weekend day. And there aren't a lot of uh, truly pious uh, spiritual people around yeah, and who can lead us. And that's why we have to do a lot of da'wah. Because if we think that, you know, our deeds are going to get us to salvation, it's not. Our ibadah may not. Most likely will not. We better be doing some serious da'wah, right? Because da'wah, if you save a person, the Prophet says, not save a person, but Allah guides a person through you. The Prophet told Sayyidina Ali, to guide that Allah guides through you, one person is greater than the greatest wealth of the world. So we may not attain anything because of our deeds. But maybe uh, we may get some of Allah's fadl by helping others. Right? Uh, maybe that'll make the difference for it. That's why you have to do da'wah. Right? Da'wah is just so, so critical. And I can't stand uh, Islamic organizations. Maybe there's a reason for Allah's wisdom that they, all the emphasis is on developing of themselves. How? When you have people... That your own aqidah tells you is min ashab nar That's your belief. That's our belief. The neighbor next door, min ashab nar That's what you believe. He knows about Islam. Yes. Oh, what does it take to, to take the da'wah? This is the traditional, our opinion. Uh, you know that there is someone called Muhammad wasallam that called to the worship of one God. And that's it. That's all that's necessary for you to be mukallaf. Now that you, oh, you know that? Okay, you're mukallaf. You're mukallaf and you're not answering that call. That means, where is your future? To Jahan. So we know that and we're not doing anything about it. Now Allah judges by common decency as well. We're going to sit and we're going to meditate and we're going to try to develop spiritually and we're not going to even lift a finger. And at, at this doesn't mean to say that you go knocking on the doors like the uh, Jehovah's Witness. Even though they, <laughs> I was right? thinking of another group. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're doing that with the Muslims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
and and the only reason we wouldn't do that is the belief and the position that this may actually turn them away even more. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. not it's not ver- it's annoying and yeah. it's not it's not going to lead to success. And that's the only reason we wouldn't do it. If you ever believed that it would lead to success, it would become obligatory, right? So we have to, in some way, shape, and form, give a dawah, be involved in dawah, right? This is why at the beginning I said, not jokingly, that the most we forgot the most important one, which was Sidi Musa's class. Oh yeah, the, the, totally. The the, the totally. in Spanish. Sira in Spanish. It's a huge audience. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of material. There's not a lot of yeah. uh, audio material, and there's not a lot of resources. Yep. And that's why uh, w- you're going to start seeing soon on all of our social media and on our newsletter and everything, the uh, uh, fundraiser to revamp the building that we just got. Alhamdulillah, bifadillah, on one of the purposes to for it to be a Dawa center, and it's in right in a completely all Spanish speaking area, actually, right. Um, the tenants, there are people who live in the ha- that house and at the top level and on the ground level, right, that they're all Spanish speaking. They have to send their son out to translate for them, yeah. right? And it was so funny because the, the man was asking me a question. The father, the, the little boy, he's like six years old. He says, my dad wants to eat one of these in a the rib, backyard. A rib. Yeah. And he's pointing to his rib. He wants to eat. The, one of these in the backyard. They, so the kid, he knew what his dad was saying, but he didn't know the word rib in English. Yeah. So that, that basically the dad was asking if he could grill ribs in the backyard, yeah. right? Mm. And the son was like, my dad wants to eat one of these in the backyard. Yeah, he wants to cook grills on, yeah. uh, ribs on the grill. Yeah. Yeah. So these folk, we have, alhamdulillah, Allah gave us Islam. We have food. We are not foreigners. We are living three, four, five miles next to people who don't have any of these ni'am. Right? If we're never going to attain anything of what the awliya attained, because we're just so weak and, and we're surrounded by sins and we don't have shiuch, we don't have help, we don't have support, right? But maybe we can be saved if we can reach out and put effort into that crowd. I mean, is, it, the is not the way of uh, Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, right? Al-Ghawth, right? He said it's with the poor. Subhanallah, it's with the poor, yeah. And, and the habayib, that, that they go to where the low-hanging fruit if you notice, Habayb, they rarely ever get involved in these academic discussions, right? right. I was on the Sheikh Yahya, he said, I'm completely checked out from the progressive uh, operation. I'm not even talking to them anymore. We don't share the same language. I'm not even bothering to have a discussion. I'm right. going to focus my time on the, the low-hanging fruit. The people who are willing to listen, at least these people are normal, right? Yes. It's true. I mean, yeah. actually, as a matter of fact, most of these like liberal discussions and all these things, they don't happen with the poor. They don't care about that stuff. They don't have the luxury to be that. I'll tell you something else. They actually, if presented with these ideas, they'll be exactly like us just based on fitra. Or fitra. They'll be yeah. like, what is that craziness? Yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, just by the way, I think for a lot of people, the, the progressive woke, whatever you want to call it, um, that whole thing, it's spreading in one sense, but at the other sense, a lot of people have just... Is that just had enough is enough with that stuff. And that's spreading too. Yeah. And I will, just as a disclaimer for some people, I should have said this in the beginning, because there's always new listeners, right? We, in this organization, and us as a group of brothers, we do not subscribe to most of the progressive or woke or liberal principles. That's not our religion. So don't judge us by them. Yeah. Right? And, and don't expect us to speak. When I hear, if there's a Christian podcast, or Joe Rogan, right? Let's say, I'm the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm not going to expect him to observe the rules, the modesty of that we, as let's say a Daisy guy or a Spanish, we, certain things we don't do, right? Mm-hmm. Even in, in our culture, yeah. forget religion, certain things you don't say, right. certain ways of behavior. 
I'm not going to expect him to do that. The guy's like a Texan, right? Isn't he a Texan? No. no. New Jersey. No. Uh, where's he from? New, Ju- New Jersey. Jersey. Then, oh, I didn't know that. Then San okay. Francisco, then Boston. Oh, my gosh. Then L.A. <laughs> <laughs> then, Austin. then Austin. Then Austin. Texas. Okay. So basically, he's done He's done the whole circuit of... Uh, the whole country? The Shaquille O'Neal. Of hellish places. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, we don't. We're not going to sit there and, and judge him on Islamic principles or or Eastern cultural principles. Yeah. So I would. Lo- I'm, I, I'm kindly saying to the people out there, every listener, you have your beliefs, you have your principles about gender, about whatever you want to talk about, sexuality, about whatever trigger words. That's your belief. I respect your belief in the same way I respect my Christian neighbor, Hindu belief. That, but that's your belief. It's not my belief, right? I don't. My Hindu neighbor, he doesn't judge me and say. Uh, you know why don't you have idols, right? Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So your idols, that you, which is left wing talking points, mm-hmm. they're not going to come up on this podcast because that's not those not our idols, right? And to the extent that anything uh, we do or say coincides with whatever kind of Western liberal values, complete or, or coincidence. It's just no. It's because they've. They, there's still some remnants of goodness. There's remnants. Yeah. Yeah. Remnants of Christian. Of, of Christian. Yeah. yeah. Of Christian uh, influence. Yeah. Or there may be some legal remnants of Islamic law that, you know, translated into Western common law that, you know, you find codified in, in the West. But that's just mere remnants. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just it's like uh, just a co- pure coincidence. It doesn't mean that Islam intended. embraces this. Exactly. And wh- if you get so triggered and you have to shut it off, that's totally fine. When I flip through and I see like Hindu stuff with gods, I get... Like, I can't watch this. If I walk into a restaurant thinking it's a regular Desi restaurant and it turned out to be Hindu and there's gods, I'm not accustomed as a Muslim boy, grow up as a Muslim, never seen this stuff before. I don't interact with idols. Mm-hmm. Moin maybe because he grew up in India, right? So I'm leaving this restaurant. I don't care. I'm not even eating their, the taking the water. Well, right? that's so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's true. Right? I can understand that. It's, true. it's probably not right? water anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. You mean this is not lemonade? So it's so if you're you know the 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 funny thing about Anya, we were talking about this brother. He became Muslim, right? Hilarious thing. This is really funny, actually. He goes to me. He said, uh, "I said you don't listen." This is after we've been friends for like a month, right? I said. Oh, you should listen to our podcast. <laughs> He's like, oh, you have a podcast? I was like, oh, yeah. You don't know about our podcast? I'll send you a podcast. He sends me the podcast. He comes back the next day. Hey, did you hear my podcast? He's like, I can't believe that's you. When I was an atheist, I used to hate you. Right? <laughs> Subhanallah. I never knew that was your podcast. I never knew it was you. I would have never come to this mosque if I knew it was you. Right? Subhanallah. <laughs> He's like, now as a Muslim, I love the podcast. Right? <laughs> He's like, when I was an atheist, I hated you. And I hated your, you, all, your, all your guys. Right? <laughs> and, he's, and, and he has a brother. Right? He's like, my, my brother loves you guys. I was like, oh, he's interested in Islam. He's like, no, he doesn't like the Islam part. He's like, the, he likes the dismissive part. He's like, <laughs> when you guys say, oh, these people are stupid, right? <laughs> he's like, he loves that. Right? So, yeah, I mean, you know what's one of the beautiful things about this podcast? We don't have any sponsors. Yeah, we're not monetized in any way. Yeah. we're not trying to get money from this. Exactly. So, if you don't like it, click off. Well, that's it, it. We don't need any listeners. <laughs> you know, some people say, why don't you get official? Why? Don't it's like I don't know. It's not in me. It's like I just don't care. I just let's say let's come together and just talk mm-hmm. about Dean. That's all I care about, right? That's, what it is, right? That's all it is. And and so for the person who is a progressive type, you're gonna get triggered and shut us off, no problem, right? I, I expect I don't expect my Christian neighbors to listen to this, right? Mm-hmm. I have even from some friends, 
I hope they don't listen to it. They don't have my friends anymore. <laughs> right. Like I have, uh, like I know people. Not wouldn't say friends, but acquaintances. I see them every year. Let's say in the soccer league, like the youth soccer league. I see them all the time. We chit chat all the time. I just pray that they don't Google me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, right? Yeah, I, because I, mean, I, I hope somebody doesn't listen to us. I there's people that ha- that hate this podcast that have listened to entire seasons <laughs> of it. So I, I mean, hate listen if you want. I yeah. <laughs> I expect I expect some of the Christian people that I know, Hindu people that I know, regular Joe Schmoes that I know to be so like shocked. I expect that because your belief system is not my belief system. The only difference between me and you is I, for some reason, I have this thing that I'm putting it on the air, right? Mm-hmm. On, uh, online. And you don't. That's the only difference between us, yeah. right? I expect you to have a, but I expect you to also have the common sense say, okay, that's his religious thing. Let him do his thing. And the street, when we get the mail, right? Uh, we can chit chat and that's fine. That side, same thing with, you know, Sean King moved in, into our neighborhood, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he's now, moving out now. He's now, moving out. He, uh, supposedly he's moving Apparently. out. Why? I don't know. We're going to find out. But let's. They got doxxed. But he got doxxed, right? He's already doxxed. Why move out now? Yeah, I know. So, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. I, we, we, I heard there are people in the neighborhood who met him. Oh, he's a great guy. I have no problem believing and holding he's a great neighbor to have, right? Sure. We're just not going to talk Dean. His politics and his views are his views. Mine are mine. And we share the same neighborhood. If we share the same neighborhood, there are certain etiquettes you do, you have. You don't talk, you don't bring up subjects. There's something called adab and muwafaqa, the adab of agreement. And there's a time where you disagree and not agree. When you share space with people, you don't bring up topics of disagreement. No. If you're sharing a plane with someone, there's a certain, someone sitting next to you on a plane. You don't bring up certain topics. As simple as that. Don't bring up anything that could make the rest of the trip awkward. We got eight hours to go, right? Right. And, and, and we got to share this space. This is called adab al-muwafaqa, the adab of agreement. Most, every one of these listeners and probably everyone in this room, their family or extended family, they have to observe this adab. I got to do this. I can't cut this person off. I just can't. When we get together, we could talk about X, Y, Z. We're not going to talk about A, B, and C. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't believe in it anymore. Right, but it means that, insofar as I'm forced to be in this situation, whether it's a neighbor or someone on a plane or a coworker, we're not going to talk about this. Right? I will. I will say <clears throat> one thing to go back. Right? Yeah. We have actually received reviews mm-hmm. on. So there's a bunch of iTunes reviews. There's one negative review. It's hilarious, actually. They, yeah. they, they had listened to a bunch of episodes. They're like, you know, I, I've listened for a season and a half, but I can no longer ta- take their smug attitude. Right? <laughs> Alhamdulillah. How are we smug? We're like... So So I want to say to that... I am. <laughs> I want to say to that because... You know, I want to say to that because do not confuse our gheira with regards to the deen yeah. to be arrogance. I, we are the most humble people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> now you know the smug attitude. <laughs> no, no, but, but seriously, like, it, it's important. And I think this is where, you know, even when I listen to, to some episodes that I'm not on, or, uh, the, the idea of us having confidence in our belief system is it gets other folks who are not as confident in their belief system riled up. But Maybe it does. That's I their mean, weakness. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't walk up. We, I don't think we've ever on this said, oh, people who don't know about Dean are idiots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or poor, poor yeah. people should fend for themselves. <laughs> or, like, it's the opposite. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, not, we're not arrogant and we're not haughty over 
with we're people. Just you know, if we talk about a type of person, it's a type of person who themselves are haughty and arrogant right. and anti the dean and mm-hmm. it's an archetypal person yes it's not even a real person i it's mean if that applies to you well then but there's usually a lot of doubts underneath the surface even with yeah. that person and so for somebody who has doubts there's nothing more uh, annoying to that person than people who have confidence in what they believe mm. right so people who listen to that they're like why why are they so sure about what they believe yeah. in right yeah, that's so exactly what it is it's frustrating that's i mean it's only so my afterlife that's right? true right. Exactly. it's only eternity <laughs> yeah i i just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you'd want to be sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you doing if you, if you're not sure which, about what you're doing? Why are you doing? Why it? Are you yeah. doing like, it? What are we doing here? Oh, and this is—I mean, this is something that you're not going to go into it even one step without being 100 percent certain. Yeah, that's why it's and a religion. You, and you might not have another certain. day left in you. Yeah. So, like, why? What are you waiting for? Get confident. Yeah, these things are given. We you we live every single day that it's a given, right? Allah exists. They have judgment yes. exists. There's no discussion about this, yep. right? I'm not bringing this up. You know. Sayyidina Muhammad is the last messenger. Is, this is it. the final message, and yeah. we have to try to live it as best we can. Yeah, we're gonna sit there, just wondering whether or not that's that's right or wrong, and what, whether or not the his hadiths are true or false. We have no time for that. No, Allah's. I might not even make it home tonight. Yeah. I have time to worry about some stupid wow. theories. Yeah, I'm not, ent- and I'm not entertaining uh, opposing viewpoints on a matter I've already thought about. And my heart has settled on it. I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> right. I, I got into a discussion you know, with an atheist once. And, you know, I said, listen, there is Allah mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and Muhammad is his messenger. I am right. Yeah. And you yeah. are wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was like, we can have every other discussion around yeah. that. Uh-huh. But understand that I am right. Yeah. And you are wrong. He's yeah. like, oh, you're arrogant. I was like, no, that, you that's call, not arrogant. Call, call whatever you that's want. Certainty. Man, but I am right. Yeah. And you are wrong. Listen, <laughs> and you know what I want? I'm not going to do. And maybe once I did it, I don't even know why I ever said this, but uh, I'm not going to even say, well, I believe that Allah is right. Yeah. Allah is true. That is a statement that is opening a door to mm-hmm. as if to this is a perspective matter. It's not, right. a perspective. it's not a perspective. When Allah says, Lakum that's an interaction, right? Okay, you have your religion, I got my religion. But my religion is not a perspective. Mm-hmm. I hold it to be the 100% truth. It is the 100% truth, right? Otherwise, we're not going to do this. Right. And I expect a Catholic to say the same mm-hmm. thing, and I expect a, a Jew to yeah. say the same thing, even though Jew is more about identity, right? <laughs> It is. Yeah, it yeah, is. It's I mean, been, right? it's a gender. It's a. Uh, it's a it's identity, an identity racial. because you, you I mean, could be Jewish and not believe in God. I we, you know, one of these invitations we got down the street, in New Brunswick. Oh, they invited the mosque. So me, Asim, Sammy, Kadavik, we go. Uh, uh, Asim was like, "Oh, you're here." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I'm a team player when I have to, but I want to see what, what's going on." <laughs> right. right. It's an educational thing for me. I I need to know this this uh, synagogue down the street because also we wanted to buy it too. Right, so we wanted. It's a nice thing with the dome. It's a Spanish style. Oh, I know that. Right, it started as a Sephardic synagogue. Yeah. Then I came to learn that the Reformed Jews bought it. We get to the Reformed Jews. We're chit chatting with the people, right afterwards. Um, God doesn't believe in God. He said, oh, "I'm an atheist." I was like, then "What are you doing in a, in a synagogue?" He said, "Well, this is the only place I can make friends." I like the architecture. Right. No, he said, oh, it's the only place I can make friends. Right. I was like, wow. So, ju- Judaism, you don't have to ha- believe, have any belief, right? You're still yeah, a Jew. Yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're reform or liberal, like I, I, I know this uh, Jewish person that said that Jews can practice Buddhism because it doesn't involve worshiping another yeah. God. And I was like, okay. Listen, 
the, the, they're, they're, okay. Listen, and Jews were going to like this because Jews, you know, one thing they have a funny, they have a good sense of humor about their own selves, right? This is a funny joke, actually. But you have to know some verses of Quran. Okay? We're going to get canceled. We're going to get canceled. Yeah, Sad's like, hit the pause button. Listen, this is a hilarious joke. We had the, we have this uh, iftar, and it's like interfaith iftar, okay? There's this kosher table, right? Kosher food. So me and a guy, me and Farouk are sitting there. And the iftars, I think it maybe it was even just open house because it wasn't even iftars, just open house. I don't know. So we ate the regular <laughs> desi food, right? And then we hover around to the kosher table and said, let's try this food. Let's try kosher food. We never tried it before. We get there and me and him are not talking, right? He said, you know, I have a question. Because you know that it's Eastern European food. Mm-hmm. It has no taste. Okay. And they know this. So... He goes to me, listen, doesn't the Quran say that the Bani Israel, they asked Moses, they said, oh, Moses, back in Egypt, right, we used to have onions and garlic. Mm-hmm. And here we are stranded in the desert and we have nothing other than these quails and these little honey droplings that Allah sends called al-men was salwa. Mm-hmm. Salwa is the quails. And men is something that does a mir- miraculously to rain down these little things. It's like a wax ball and there's honey inside of it. And you eat it as like a sweet, right? And get some energy. It's called mannu salwa. So the Quran says, Allah sent the men and salwa, and they're asking for onions and garlic, right? So he said, didn't, that, didn't Allah, didn't the Bani Surayyid ask for onions and garlic? He said, yeah, it's in the Quran. He's like, well, where is it in the food? Right? <laughs> 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 no taste, right? Well, they, they, they ended up wandering right? in the no man's land, which is exactly. Eastern Europe, right? <laughs> no offense. <laughs> That's a good joke. That is a good joke. Right? <laughs> That's hilarious. hilarious. Right? I mean, it's a punishment. You weren't happy. You ended up cursed in food. Wallah al cursed in food. I'm telling you. By the way, it's not even quails and honey. Yeah. It's just like potatoes and I know you, you white fish. So now you don't even have the quails and the honey. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, white fish and, and potatoes. Remember Street Food Gum when we did the podcast? Yeah. He said, let me take you to this kosher style restaurant. Like, what is okay. a kosher style? It's, oh, that's like it's, it's, it's not necessarily kosher. It's not run by Jews, but it's Eastern European style food. Right. You know, Katz's Deli is oh, kosher, like it's kosher style. Okay. It's yeah. not actually kosher. Yeah. So we're eating. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Right? Like this bagel and lox. It doesn't need salt, right? Like even salt? Is there rules on this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we wrap it up? We can Wait, call so it no, what's, what is the rule on, on, on having? I thought they have a lot of salt. They salt the meat to they get salt all the, the meat. blood out. Okay, it. but what about the actual food? Why is there salt? Kosher style food has Listen, no salt. You know who's good to talk to about this? Who? Uh, Suleiman, Ken. Oh, because he, he, he's, he's from Russian. He's Russian, yeah. formerly Jewish. No. No, no, but he, uh, he, Russian Orthodox. Russian his family's Orthodox. Orthodox. Okay. But it's the same diet, basically. Okay. It's, you know, people go, people say kosher food. They really mean. It's Eastern European food. They really mean Ashkenazi food yeah. from Poland and Russia. Yeah. And Ukraine. They don't, it's not Jewish food. Because Jewish food is Moroccan. Yeah. There's Moroccan mm-hmm. Jews. Mediterranean. And I'm sure they cook really well. Oh, yeah. That's and true. I, and they're Sephardic Jews. Sephardic. Yeah. I'm sure they cook really well, mm-hmm. like Spanish people. It's Ashkenazi diet. It's the Ashkenazi, Russian, Polish, Ukrainian diet. If you're going to lump people together, and you're going to say Chinese, uh, Western Europeans, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Even if you say Christians, let's say. And you lump Muslims as one group. There's no group that is more blessed in cuisine than the Muslims. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. 
I mean, because of Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, firstly, you can if you had to eat one cuisine for a year, every single day, one country's cuisine, one country's cuisine for a year, and I'm gonna give you three choices. It's not gonna be Egypt. It's not gonna be Pakistan. What is it gonna be? It's going to be somewhere between Turkey, Italy, and uh, Predictable. Spain. Okay. Predictable. Is it going to be Italian? I'm Italian, gonna give, Turkish, I'm gonna, or Spanish? Italian, Turkish. What is Spanish food even? What do you mean? Like, is the, is the cold soup? <laughs> the, the gas ran out? <laughs> what is it called? Gazpacho. Gazpacho sounds like a word related I mean, to police and detectives. Like, you got ripped off, right? So, so the Turkish Gazpacho. food encompasses... Secret police in Germany? Gestapo. The Turkish Gestapo. food encompasses all the best cuisine of the Arabs. Yes. The Daisies. The Persians. But done correctly. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, like, Turkey is... It covers all of that. It, all right, it's, that's my order, by the yeah, way. Turkey, Turkey Italy, and Spain. Eat out, yeah. What is Spanish food, though? If Spanish food is uh, a lot. Of, no, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of lamb. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of seafood. Paella, You know, the best seafood. Paella is baqiya, in my theory. Baqiya, leftovers. It's the leftovers of all. It's leftovers of uh, all I'll the seafood. You, I'll tell you exactly what In a way that makes no sense. By the way, paella is not... Leftovers. Traditional paella is not even seafood, and it's worse than leftovers. What is it? It's poor people's food. They got some rice. Mm-hmm. They put it in a pan, and then they ate whatever they could grab, which was usually rabbit and snail. Yeah, makes sense. So that's actual paella is <coughs> rice, fava beans, rabbit, and snail. Yeah, so... And, and maybe some chicken. And, and what, it's amazing. When I cook in the house, it's... Uh, what do we... Oh, kids, what do we need... I said khaltabita bizit. Khaltabita bizit means you take the pan, you put olive oil in it. You take whatever the hell is in the fridge, right? You put it in that pan and you throw some salt on it. It's going to taste good because you, you crisp up the edges, right? And sure. the olive oil soaks up. The kids love it, right? I said, what is this meal called, right? <laughs> I told them khaltabita bizit means mix up with oil. That's all it is, right? It's a mix up with oil. But so I don't need to, I don't, uh, no offense, but I've never seen a Spanish restaurant. Are you kidding me? No, I've never seen a Spanish. <laughs> Have I've you seen, never been to Newark? I've seen Mexican restaurants. Have you ever been to Newark? I've been to Newark. I've never seen a single Spanish restaurant. I'm, I'll take you out to eat. Okay. Well, let's, we'll eat again after that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Have you ever seen hey, an, hey, e- hey. an Egyptian restaurant? <laughs> True, true, a, true, a good question. <laughs> one and it went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> there's one, one seafood joint in uh, Jersey City. No, there's one Baker uh, on the way to Baker Street Mosque in London. There was an Egyptian restaurant. I'm telling you, I swear to Allah, is nothing but one of the women cooking the regular food yeah. that we all eat from the home at oh, home. You know what? Right? And I'll it went out of business. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take it back. Yeah. I, I'll remove Spain from the list, okay. and I'm going to go with Moroccan. Moroccan is good. I'll tell you that no, the, the Egyptians they get they have no grand slam part of their cuisine. There's no grand slam, right? Like any one of the desi foods, there's like five main desi dishes, right? It's like three of them are probably grand slams. Biryani is a grand slam. Butter chicken is a grand slam. And what else is there? Like nahari. <laughs> nahari is not even. Is that even like? It's like a paste, meat paste, right? What is that? No, it's like broth. It's like a broth, right? It's like a meat broth. Meat broth, okay. But you have a lot of grand slams, and you have a lot of wackiness, like the desserts. Okay. I like the desserts. What? 
Okay, it's wacky. Firstly, what we is won't it? find what? a consensus on. We're this. not going to find a consensus. We Firstly, have, we have a sp- what is the name <laughs> two of that block, chalky blocky exactly. desserts? Daisy desserts. What's it called? Wait, say that again. What's the name of that dessert? Say, say what's it? It's the scrum. block chalky one. The block. Ch- that's like that's like five five of them. What is it called? <laughs> The block chocolate. Barfy? Okay. Barfy? Discussion Barfy? over. Barfy. Right? Barfy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the Egyptian cuisine does not have any Grand Slams, but it has everything is good. Right? Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of good stuff. It's almost like the 96 Yankees. They all hit singles. Singles, singles, singles. And you win the World Series who, by that. Who, right? Who won the 96 Yankees was Mulukhaya. Huh? Who, who? Mulukhaya as in what? As in disgusting slimy <laughs> soup. <laughs> You know this is fad now, by the way. Molochia. Uh, sure. It's one of these whole what foods. What about Bamia? The whole foods people. Bamia is Palestinian, right? No. It's all Egyptian. Koshiri. All these vegetables. Bamia? Black. Disgusting. <laughs> oh, it's Horrendous. So good. Add some salt. <laughs> Add some salt to, to what? Yeah. Kill the slime? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a slug. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, you never get excited about Egyptian food, but they have so many... And I'm not a fan of, you know, Egypt in a lot of ways. But growing up, we only ate Egyptian food. Not on principle. We ate pizza sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, this is what my mom knew how to cook. Right. And you, you will not have a Grand Slam. There's nothing super exciting, but everything in it. There are so many different ways to cook vegetables. What they do with the different meats, the different chickens, the different fish, right? There's a lot of borrowing from European cuisine. It's a lot of borrow, but but that's where Egypt is, though. It's the middle of everything, right. so you get everything. You get you get a lot of Palestinian like stuff. Bechamel, it's French, mm-hmm. right? Hundred percent French. Creme caramel, yeah. It's flan, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, we, but then, every there's so much, right? There's the menu is so long, of what Egyptian food is, whereas Tur- the Turkish menu is two sentences. What? Yeah, what? the Turkish me- what Turkish? You're grilling. Uh, firstly, I love Turkish food, but it's grilled meat. Yes. That's it. That's nothing else. It's the same in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> right? they, make, they make some decent rice, and yeah. then the rest is grilled meats. What else, is, what else do you want to eat, though? Well, you need to have a variety, no. right? I'm telling you, we would eat, my mom would cook, let's say, seven days a week, right? And we would eat the, the, the same food again, the same like type of uh, uh, dish, again, like four months later. That's how much food, so, so many things that Egyptians could cook. Because we have so many greens, we have all the farmland there. Right. Of course, they ruined it. It's all ruined. But as a <laughs> diet, I would say if I had to eat one type of cuisine for the rest of my life, the one you grew up on. <laughs> <laughs> Says everyone. <laughs> the, I'm telling you, the maybe it is a memory thing. It's but probably the, a but the menu, the menu is so long, right? Yeah. I mean, like if I was forced to eat one cuisine, like it would just end up being basic because I did it half my life, right? So, so maybe that's yeah. what it is, just nostalgia <laughs> thing, right? It's a nostalgia yeah, thing. Like they say, what is if you ask everyone what was the greatest era in sports, they'll tell you the era of their childhood, right? Because that's when they were just discovered at all, right? right? Nobody has more variety than than Italy. Italy? Yeah. From the from northern Italy all the way to the southern. But it's cuisine. not healthy for you though, right? It's too much. I mean, pasta. it's all wheat. The, the oh, yeah. Well, no, North, Northern Italian cuisine is vegetables and meats, but it's prepared amazingly. Like in mm. Tuscany, the food is out of this world. Yeah, It's cooking technique too, by the way. Like people people love French cuisine. It's not because they have better ingredients. Yeah. They just use a lot of butter. Yeah, they, do, they use so much butter. And, and when we went to Paris, we went to this special restaurant, and there was all tourists there. And it's the one that they come out with the thing is covered in um, – the, the meal is covered in a dome, right? 
and they lift it for you. So we ate. I was like, this is, um, this is just like the movies. There's no food on this plate, right? <laughs> nah. We literally went and we ate Domino's pizza after that. <laughs> it's the only place we could find that was open, right? I can't believe I'm sitting there. I can't believe we're in Paris eating Domino's pizza. This is like uh, uh, You want to know my, my evidence for Turkey? Yeah. So I've been in a lot of places. When, when we were in Turkey, it was the summertime. Mm-hmm. And we walked everywhere. Like we, oh, sta- we yeah. stayed by Sultan Ahmed. Yeah. We stayed in the old city. And yeah. we walked everywhere we mm-hmm. went, right? Hours. Yeah. Morning, we, li- we leave like right after Frederick, go have breakfast and then go and walk until like one in the morning mm-hmm. until we get back. The food was so good that I gained weight so while I was there. Man, Turkey. Patterson has better f- Turkish food than Turkey. Listen, <laughs> were you crazy? <laughs> Turkey is eating. Istanbul has amazing been, food. Turkey is. T- Istanbul. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> Turkey is praying in the masjid, walking and eating. Yeah. That's Turkey. Is that right? where we're all moving? Huh? Is that where we're all? Oh, moving? their 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 new uh, mayor is giving everyone a hard time, Istanbul mayor. But the food was so great. Uh, the my memory of Turkey is so awesome. <clears throat> you guys, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when did the currency, the new the euro, come out? Was it two thousand one, two thousand, or two thousand? Two thousand. All right. So it was the year that that currency came out, right? It was January, we or December. We land in Turkey. The the hour that we landed our plane, it started to snow. And it started to snow the biggest storm that they'd had in like 60 years. It was historic. Oh. By, I'm telling you, at nightfall, I was in an old hotel that didn't even have screens on the windows. Opened the window. This was around like middle of the night. And we could see the Sultan Ahmed like from far away. And you had flakes the size of your fist coming down. I was like, this is like a mystical experience. Oh. It was a complete mystical experience. Uh, the place was covered. All white. Now imagine walking through Turkey with these all white domes. Now, what did we do? The shawarma, it was still like late 90s or early 2000s. The shawarma was still cooked on the street with wood, right? Wood fired shawarma. And then we would eat shawarma, keep walking. It was cold, right? Now, the one thing I thought was actually like mental illness was wudu in cold water. Right, you know that you know how they they have no they they don't have bathrooms. You make we do it in the fountains, yeah, outside the mosque. I thought this is mental illness, right? They're like, well, let's let's try it. We did it. I'm telling you, nothing is more refreshing than a cold water would do in the winter. Allahu Akbar. Right? It, you just feel refreshed. I, I think, don't know about that. I think because <laughs> there's there's a reverse thing happened where you you've exposed your skin to worse cold. Oh, you can't use warm if your hands have been out in the winter. You yeah. can't put warm water yeah, on it. It will feel like it's burning. Yeah. yeah. So, so your your skin actually feels experiencing something more cold. Cold water is colder than cold air, right? So you come back and you feel like warm, <laughs> right? You hear that principle? So then, then you walk a little more and you take a break for sahlab, which is their milky this drink. Time's up. Okay. I like talking about. I'm, I haven't eaten all day. I think that. <laughs> I, li- I literally think that's what happened. I literally woke Sahlab up. Sahlab is amazing. Sahlab is amazing, right? Yeah. And then in the morning time, we went down for fetch, okay, <laughs> and then we would stop. At the bakers would start open up the tea. The breakfast is so. Oh good. my gosh! The breakfast is so yep. good. Uh, the tea and their bread with sugar, and then you go to the hotel, and the breakfast is set out. Yeah. Nobody has more breakfast. chapter on gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is, this is why yeah. you need the Shadali Tariq <laughs> over there. Because it's, to, to quote, eat a whole sheep and yeah. make a lot of sh- give a lot of shukr. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, this, this this we start off on Tsoof, and then the the dam broke. <laughs> uh, we, we, this was like a very serious podcast, an Adini podcast, up till about the last. I guess we're going on the last fifteen minutes. We started talking minutes. about Jewish food. <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah. That's what it, we were talking dawa, yeah. and then the Jewish food joke came in, and then we just started talking about that was food. it. Because I think you're hungry. Shift. It's it's literally uh, I've had something. a granola bar all day, yeah. uh, but the dam broke, and we ended up doing this. But Hamdulillah was good. Jazakumullah right. khairan. Jazakumullah khairan. This was uh, any last remarks, everyone? Well, good set. Uh, right. I, I have some last remarks. I, I will say, you know, I think we said it in the beginning. Uh, the one of the easiest things to do is, you know, register for. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a, a thing for Safina here. Register for, you know, our semester is starting yep. next week, so you can register for the Arc View basic or the ArcView Plus classes online. Uh, there's a number of courses there. Tesawuf is not being taught in this year, but... Uh, um, the videos are there. The videos are there that you can always go back and listen to you yeah. know, the, one of the classes on Tesawuf. And uh, inshallah, once you're part of the community and once you're part of the, the Suhaba of it, it's very important. Yeah. And, and so you, you will get a lot from it. Sure. So uh, I think that's my closing remarks. Go ahead. All right. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruku natubu ilaik wal asr. إن الإنسان لفي قصر إلا الذين آمنوا من الصالحات وتواصوا الحق وتواصوا الصبر والسلام عليكم.